Trenches. Hello listeners and welcome to From the Trenches Real Life with Beck and Shay. My name is not David Boyer, it is in fact Shay Fire. I'm the head of accounting at Intuit, but don't worry, I'm legit. I'm a legit FCA in fact. And I'm joined today by one of my favourite women, Rebecca Mahalik, also legit. Thought Leader of the Year alumni, in fact, Head of Accounting at Intuit, Director of her very own firm, Business Depot in Sydney. How are you, Beck? I'm great. Thank you, Shay. It's so good to be catching up with you and having an awesome chat and uh, doing this From the Trenches podcast, but uh, with a twist because it's all about what we're thinking, not Paul and Dave. Absolutely. It's um, a little bit of a different show today. So what's been what's been happening in your world, Beck? Well, this morning I was actually quite happy. I woke up and my one of my usual routines is having a look at the AFR because I'm a subscriber, so I get all the little emails that come through. And today there's this article, PwC's First Chairwoman Pledges to Focus on Firm Culture. So PwC have appointed their first ever chairwoman, not a chairman, but a chairwoman. Super cool. Very exciting. Particularly, Very cool. you know. For, you know, you and I who have been talking about this lack of female representation for a long time, this is so great to see. And there's a couple of things here as well. Um, so the the woman who's been appointed, Tracy Kanaj, she's actually not an accountant or from the accounting division as well, which is also great. She's a technology consultant and um, it's all about uh, PwC's shift from just being an accounting firm to having this multidisciplinary focus, which is also something we do at Business Depot. So I'm quite aligned with it. I think the businesses, no matter what their size, need more than just accounting. And accountants as trusted advisors are the place our businesses go to to get all this different advice around tech, accounting, marketing, legal, whatever it is. So this combined focus of having, you know, multidisciplinary services for all businesses and having a female in charge effectively of the board is super cool. Great, best on ground for me today um, and was quite a highlight, at least at first. Yes, and I can't help. Uh, like I don't, I would, I'm not going to take anything away from this amazing woman. I'm not going to, I don't want there to be a but to this, but... Is this very, very yes, is this very much uh, a reaction to maybe something else that's been happening around that part? Yes. Yeah, so the the disappointing thing is that, and I really hope, and I have no doubt actually that this woman completely deserves this role. She yeah. absolutely deserves it. But part absolutely. of this appointment is going to be overshadowed by all the dodgy stuff that's going on around some male colleagues of hers at PwC, in particular, a male PwC partner who has been accused of and I believe personally stood down over holding these boys' days where they him and some other colleagues, all the way down to undergrad males, hung out together and spent all their time um, at strip clubs raiding female staff around their attractiveness and other abilities, which is just horrific to say out loud because you just you really hope that this stuff was over and done but this is still happening and the worst part about it is this director was inviting graduates in the firm so the youngest most vulnerable people in that firm and teaching them that this is a perfectly acceptable way to treat women in um 
a large organisation or any organisation, and it's completely disgusting. Horrific is right, but are you actually surprised? I'm not surprised. Like I, I can't help it, and I know that's very, very harsh, but none of this stuff surprises me as much as I say, you know, I think things are changing and whatnot. When they come to public, you know, when they become public knowledge, I'm sort of like, yep, that's what happens. That's my experience. That's what I've known growing up in the accounting industry. And I, I don't want to be super, super negative, but, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm so happy that, um, if, if, you know, there's probably a process that they have to go to to work out whether all of these claims are legit and all of those sort of things. But if, if they are found to be factually accurate, I'm so glad they've been busted because it's, it is absolutely disgraceful. Like you talk about, influencing you know young people um in the way that the world should work with absolutely like revolting values you know there's lots you and i can unpick around you know um <laughs> the whole gender aspect of it but just when it comes down to it it's just revolting values really you know putting one one lot of people down over another or anything like that is just foul um, so I, I'm like you, I feel, I feel, I, I feel a bit sad because I think, you know, this appointment, um, of this amazing chairperson is going to absolutely revolutionize that business for both of the reasons that you described, because we need to, we need our young women believing that they can be successful. We need them to see what they can be and all of that stuff. But also, you know, it is about, you know, uh, demonstrating that as trusted advisors, we have diverse, value to offer our clients and I'm a bit sad that the two things have to come hand in hand but is is what it is I think um it kind of leans into that thing when people ask me um oh why do you support quotas now because I was always like a massive hater on quotas like makes me so uncomfortable I'm like don't you dare don't you dare put me forward for something just because I'm a female I want to earn my place and you know be recognized for all the value that I bring and all of that sort of stuff. And I've kind of got to this place now where I still feel that in my soul. Like I have a bit of a physical reaction to it, to be quite honest. But if we don't do the hard stuff in transition between this place where we are now and a place where we don't have to talk about this stuff anymore, then nothing ever changes. And it's like the same, it was exactly the same feeling as watching, you know, that delightful week we have every year where all the big firms announce all their new partners, oh, this is fantastic, and we celebrate everyone that's worked really hard, and I definitely celebrated a lot of my former colleagues in some of those big firms, but I only needed, I didn't even really need my two hands to count how many women were in that cohort. Yeah, it was it's absolutely true. just perpetuating the same stuff that's always happened, and that as well. I digress and I stole your worst on ground, but it just n not acceptable in my opinion, not acceptable. That's right. And when things like that keep happening, it starts to make it look like some of these genuine promotions of women are only being done to settle down other terrible news events, which is really disappointing because the women who are getting these promotions and uh, getting these spots, they absolutely deserve it. They've earned it. They've worked hard. They've got huge great amazing ideas and skills to bring to these positions and it's overshadowed by this other atrocious behavior 
And I'm looking forward to a point where everyone's just getting these roles as and when they deserve them and earn them. And we don't have to worry about any of this other rubbish in our industry anymore. So good Mm. on PwC for investigating this guy and getting rid of him, whoever he happens to be. And hopefully they're on a better path. And congratulations on the appointment, Tracy, again. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens at PwC over your tenure. Amazing. Plus 100 to both of those from me. Um, I have a bit of a, it might be a bit of a delayed best on ground, but I'm very interested to hear um, from our listeners on how this actually played out. So back in June, Accountants Daily was um, spruiking that, um, uh, accountants are looking for a pay rise. Fancy that. Fancy accountants looking for a pay rise. And that in their data that they had collected, that um, 75% of firms were planning to pay their accountants more. That's good. Um, I'll reserve my thoughts on, on the other proportion that aren't. But um, And that accountants were actually chasing around a 6% increase on their salaries. But the firms were only planning on paying about 3%. And so what I what I loved about this in the moment and at the time was that accountants are throwing up their hand and asking to be valued for what they deliver. Now, before I get shot down by all the owners of firms everywhere of, you know, making sure that I understand the, the constraints around running an accounting business, because I know it's hard. I have worked in many an accounting firm. I've run a couple. I know it's hard. The model is difficult. That said, on balance, for the amount of value that accountants deliver to their clients, into the economy, and to steal some thought leader th- thoughts, thought leader thoughts from you, Beth, like literally saved the economy during COVID. Um, they are not paid well. They are not paid well at all. And so I was very, very pleased to see this and then equally disturbed to see that um, firms were not not planning to to pay as much as perhaps they were going to be asked. I love it when anybody throws their hand up and says, "Recognize me, please. I've done well. I value my input. I think you should value my input, and this is what I'm worth." I love that. I love that confidence. I don't think that's something we see enough of, particularly amongst our colleagues, um, amongst our female colleagues. Um, but what I'm super interested to hear is how did year-end reviews play out? Like what what actually happened in the firms? Have we got, you know, uh, practice owners that can tell us, well, actually, yeah, I got bombarded by heaps of requests. I wasn't able, able to, you know, remain profitable or whatever, whatever. How did you work through that? Like what what happens in your firm? Well, we didn't actually go through a process of handing out pay rises just because it was the end of the year. And we never do that. That's generally policy um, with the way that I've always run the firm when it was Aptus, now when now as part of Business Depot. Um, it's based on merit and what you earn. And that doesn't need to happen at 30 June. So we have we we track the um, growth of our staff against the skills matrix. And that's gotten even better since we joined Business Depot because we do have this full-blown HR department. And I understand that you can't have that necessarily in every accounting firm, particularly when you're small. But when you are a smaller firm, let's be honest, as a director, you should be quite in touch and in tune with what's going on in your team. Who's succeeding? 
who's not succeeding, who's hitting personal and education and, and client management milestones, who are meeting these items and pay them accordingly at the time. Don't create an environment where people have to sit around and wait till 30 June or 31st of December or whenever you do your annual reviews to tell them that they're awesome. Tell them when they're awesome. And that's what we try to do. Um, and it means that, you know, when we're proactive about that, our staff retention actually um, then is able to be a lot better than if we ignore our staff for 12 months and only do it at that time. And um, it also means that, our employees have that more um, are more able to have those conversations with us regularly around what's going on in their world, and that's becoming more and more important as we're fighting for staff against each other. All of us, none of us have enough staff. I would love to hire you know four or five more people next week if I could. It's probably not going to happen, but it would be great. So this annual review process, I think, is completely archaic and is something that needs to be reviewed across the whole industry. Um, and and how that will happen, I'm not sure, but I think that, you know, the staff are going to put more pressure on us to pay them appropriately more often, and so they should. I, I totally agree, and I love that, and I fully, like, fully agree with the word that you used, archaic, because um, it just speaks to, and this is something I'll talk about in a minute, but it just it just speaks to a lack of agility, right? So, like, if we think about holistically the challenges we have in practice at the moment, we have we can't get enough staff, we can't keep the staff we've got, the staff that we have got want to be paid more. It's it's getting very challenging. The cost of doing business is going up. Blah 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 blah. All of those things, you know, considering some very very basic aspects around what keeps what what keeps people working in your team happy, content and otherwise doesn't always come from big gestures. It can be as simple as being attentive and making sure that whatever way they like to receive their pat on the back comes frequently or to the contrary, if they're not performing, that they don't have to guess that, that they actually know and that they feel supported to develop and grow as a human. I mean, that's not something that I have seen great structure around actually until I started it into it. They're a huge business with lots of resource to put amazing structure around this. Just let me let me make sure that you guys know that I'm clear about that. But from an accounting firm perspective, you've got especially with the young generation of team members that we've got, they want to know regularly how they're going. And we don't it's not it's not frequent that we see um, the firm set up, either set up to do that or committed to doing it. Um, and I think it's a huge missed opportunity. I remember having this just trying to reconcile in my head um, one firm that I used to work in where we were coached really specifically to make sure that we let our team know that even though we're doing a performance review today and in two weeks your pay might change, that the two things are not linked. They're not not, not intrinsically linked at all. And I always thought, what, do you think we're all stupid? Because we're clearly not, because you all pay us to be here and, and take on really important roles, supporting clients and whatnot and bringing in all the fees and all those sort of things. But for real, like, of course, the way I perform influences what I'm paid and it should. It absolutely should. As I'm developing, I should have an expectation that, you know, I, as I contribute more value that I would be compensated appropriately. 
It's just bizarre. So archaic. You're, you're absolutely right. I would love if nothing else happened this year, nothing else happened differently. If, you know, if practice owners, managers in firms, whatever, big, big managing directors of big firms were more attentive to their staff around fluid feedback. And so it's good and it's constructive. I think we'd see enormous outcomes around retention and perhaps not so much upwards pressure on salaries. Um, probably still, because as I said, I don't think accountants are paid well at all, but I, I wonder whether that's a challenge you can throw out into the universe <laughs> and see what might happen. I can't wait to see what the responses are on that because I know that the opinions across the board will be varied in the processes that we all take. But it's just one of those things as we as accountants have done forever that need to change up a little bit. That's right. Yeah. And, and we've done forever and we experienced a way. So it's kind of like in parenting, right? <laughs> I don't know how many times you reflect on this back, but I often think, why do I do that like that? I think, oh, that's because that's what mum and dad did with me. And it's not being critical of the way I was raised, but you take on these things and you think, well, that's normal. That's the way I should do it. And yes. things are different now. They they just are. I think, you know, our, our team members now have different expectations and legitimate expectations around the way that they are treated at work, the way they're expected to be, behave at work and how they can be allowed and supported to get to their awesome every day. So agility, I'm thinking about agility. Um, and it's also making me think about my worst on ground, which is going to sound like a best on ground, but just bear with me. So I was very pleasantly reading um, in the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday, I think, that since the start of the pandemic, um, lots more women have entered the workforce, which is Kind of logical, kind of not, because we heard for such a long time that, in fact, it was, it was, uh, you know, the women ducking out of the workforce during lockdown to make sure, you know, we have kids at home and all those sort of things. So we heard a lot about that. But in fact, we've seen that women's participation rate is now at a high of 62.5%. So that's massive. Um, and is a major contributor, um, to our low unemployment rate. And I mean, part of it is not rocket science right like there is more um well there's been necessity to facilitate um people working from home and things like that and you know i'm being mindful of this doesn't apply to every industry right um and you know there's certainly lots and lots of pressure on all sorts of businesses to attract and retain their staff so they've had to be more flexible they've had to be more open-minded in how they support their team members to 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 get any stuff because in some cases we can't get any we we can't get any so we're absolutely um sort of leaning into that idea that you know four days is better than zero days which I've always always thought was a no brainer but you know is not typically the way we think about things in the accounting industry so the reason this is my worst on ground is because despite this I am not convinced that the accounting industry has been as agile as the rest of the economy in taking advantage of this opportunity. I don't know about you, Beck. You are closer to practice than I am. I haven't seen a massive uptick in women returning to our profession. I haven't necessarily seen a massive uptick in women not falling off the career cliff as they approach partnership 
because, of course, you couldn't possibly be a partner if you're part-time um, or a female. Um, like, I just, I I often, I take a lot of feedback for potentially being a little bit critical sometimes, <laughs> but it's because I my heart breaks when I see missed opportunities and see the potential of, you know, people and firms and our our industry as a whole to do more awesome and this is such a prime example of us standing in our own way like what are you what are you seeing across practice well I would agree I don't think I've seen the accounting industry take huge advantage of this but in saying that I don't think there's been a lot of uh male or females rushing into the accounting industry recently and that's probably part of a much bigger issue again so we haven't taken advantage of the way that we can be doing work um, in a part-time or remote basis for a long time the tools that we use um, during COVID have existed in the accounting industry and businesses at large for a long time we can do a lot of our work remote I have um been working myself quite a bit remotely and across the team there is a combination of remote and face-to-face work. I don't think that everyone can work all the time remotely. That's the reality. We still need human interaction. Grads need to learn by being in an office and hearing the buzz and, you know, these human interactions are important. But if it's a difference, like you said, if it's a difference between working zero days or four days or being able to work at all because you have responsibilities to family and you have to be a primary carer of a whole range of different people in your life, um, if flexibility means that you get to get in there and get a job done and generate an income and provide services to the wider economy, then we should be taking advantage of that. But I don't think we are, and I think that's actually keeping people out of our industry. We're just not flexible enough, which is incredibly disappointing and something that we are absolutely going to have to change and um, get behind as a whole industry, even myself. Like, oh, I'm going to put my hand up there. I'm a director of an accounting firm. And when I have someone come to me and say, hey, I, I want to work an extra few days a week at home, I have that immediate panic because it's ingrained. It's in built in me to panic when somebody wants to work from home. And then we just have to figure out a way around it because me as an owner, I need that person in my team. I want that person in my team. They're important to me in my team. So how do I keep them engaged? And why is it that they need this? They need it um, for a personal reason or they need it just because it's the way they work better. Then we need to figure that out together. And And that takes a huge mind shift to get to that approach. I totally can see that. And I just... I was always sort of thinking about to bring about holistic change in anything. And I'm right, I'm rewinding back to working in a big firm and, and trying to help, you know, move them along the digitization and innovation path, right? Which is quite an effort. But that idea of how much pain do we need to be in to think differently about things and to try things that we've not always done. And I feel like if this is not a perfect storm of talent pain, then what the heck is? Like seriously, how much more difficult does it have to get attracting talent, retaining talent, having enough capacity in our teams to deal with this huge volume of client work that we have? Like what more is it going to take? I don't understand. Like I don't know. Do we have to like get 
one of those blow-up suits with the funny wiggly arms and be like, yo, we need to do this differently. Seriously, I've, I feel like I've tried everything else. Or maybe it's my delivery that's off. But I don't know. It really frustrates me because it's blindingly obvious. It is captain obvious. It's right there. There's clearly a lot of women that want to get back into the workforce generally. Like I, I keep thinking of our mate Peter McCarthy, who also thinks this is a no-brainer. And he's like, this is the best. I have, you know, my remote team members and they work when they when they can and they crank out you know, exponentially more than some of my team members that sit in the office or traditionally, you know, those that whatever it looks like. And it's just so open-minded and it works and clients love it and everyone's happy. It just, it really frustrates me. So that's why that is my worst on ground. (laughs) Clearly frustrated by this. (laughs) Leading on from your worst on ground. So my best on ground was sort of a worst on ground as well. It was a mix. It was somewhere in the middle. It yeah. was a mush, but I actually want to end on another best on ground, which is really interesting because when we first started doing this, I was convinced I was only going to find worst on grounds. So it's really nice that I'm finding best on grounds more than worst on grounds. So this is nice. And um, it's a generational thing as well. So leaning on from what you were talking about and what we've discussed today around changes accounting firms need to make. Unfortunately, I do think that a lot of that's not going to happen immediately and we're going to get there eventually. Now, one of the things that we will get there eventually on as well, which is probably close to both you and I, is this greater adoption of AI. Now, in the accounting industry, adoption of AI is not signing up to um, an online accounting package. That is not AI. That is the bare minimum of what you should be doing nowadays is having the same single ledger with your clients. So whether that's, you know, QBO, MYV, Zero, whatever it is that you're using, that is not artificial intelligence. That is just bare minimum. When you go in and you start to apply rules and start to do the heavy lifting of some processing transaction and implementing those extra items, that is when you're starting to take advantage of AI. And I can see that technology is going to keep growing that way. Um, and I'll get to the point of my best on ground in just a second, but there is a gap, which again, sounds like a worst on ground, but there is a best here, I swear. Um, so there is this gap at the moment between the de- demand and supply of um, workers in the digital space, particularly in the accounting industry. So people who are coming in who know and understand how to apply this, understand that technology needs to work together, can actually build out um, great tech stacks inside the firms that actually work. And there's not enough supplies to our industry that don't charge a total bomb to make this happen so that all small accounting firms can make it work. But I've read recently in the AFR that there is this fantastic new um, initiative coming out called the AI Challenge for starting schools and it's called the Day of AI and it's coming to Australia on Wednesday the 27th of July, so super soon. And it's really exciting because I am convinced that unless we change education, nothing's going to change. And everything needs to start young. So I'm not writing off our generation or the generations between us and and my kids at school, but I'm so excited at this idea that they're trying to bring into schools better education on AI because horrifically what I've also learned through this experience is that the current digital education um, syllabus that exists in schools was written before Facebook was around. So it's something like 17 years old, which is ridiculous because technology has changed so much. 
But there's this group that's out there at the moment that is working with schools in Australia um, with some of the stuff that's come out of MIT in America to transform digital education at that primary school and high school level, which to me as a parent is so exciting. I remember the first time that um, Lego brought out like their robotic stuff. My kids were too young, but I got really excited and I went out and bought it and showed them how to like build a Lego robot and teach it how to walk. And I've sent them to coding camps and done all that. But to think that they can start to actually learn that as part of a standard syllabus in schools is like the coolest thing ever. And that's what we're going to need to transform not just our industry, but all industries. So I told you I'd get there with the best on ground. Just took a while. Yeah, you did. My girls are off to um off to coding camp this week, actually. They're, they're actually so excited. They don't, I'm a bit of a, uh, uh, I'm a bit strict with the devices at home, I must say. I am the sun sponge. That's what my girls call me. So they've got three days it flat out in front of a device. They're going to be making like these little figurines and then making an animated film and coding it all themselves. They're so excited. It's brilliant. It's going to be so good. And then I won't get, um, um, can you put the TV on? <laughs> so hopefully they would have had enough device activity this week. But it, you're absolutely right. Like I feel a little bit, unsettled um uh, uh, you know it's it's so important that we are uh, innovating the way we educate like i think i don't I, this is not about me throwing stones but it's kind of the same idea as thinking about our some of our accounting students coming up and pot- potentially they've only been allowed to practice using the purple desktop right it's not it's not the same thing it's not it's not the way the world works anymore um so you're absolutely right i think that's super cool and it reminds me of something that we've been talking about um, in in before. I was going to say pregame. I don't even know what pregame means. I think it's like a it's a David way of saying what we talk about before we actually start recording. Back, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, we were t- talking recently about this app, and I really wanted, really, really wanted to hear about this from you. Um, and and I'm sure our listeners will be interested as well around helping our kids with financial literacy because this has come up a lot in our house lately and I've started to sort of we've got a bit of a program of an allowance thing happening and because my girls are 11 and 9 and this whole concept of you know I don't know about you Beck but I certainly don't get paid for my household contributions I don't get paid for washing up I don't get paid for ironing I don't iron but those kind of things and so the idea of paying the girls to do chores at home kind of felt a bit wrong but I wanted to be able to you know have a bit of a framework for them to learn how to manage their own money so they get their allowance they also separately have an expectation around their contributions to the household so they have to look after the chooks Avery's the boss of vacuuming Taya's the boss of the bins and then they have to keep their rooms tidy hang their own clothes up that kind of thing but it's separate it's not one you know a payment for the other thing but we keep a running balance on a sticky note and I'm like there's got to be a digital way to do this like everyone in my team would be laughing at me going I can't believe you doing that on paper Shay what is wrong with you like there's got to be a better way to do it right there is and we use an app in my house called Spriggy for that so and Spriggy, Spriggy yeah it's um it's this fantastic app it's like imagine digital divi pay and um but it's for your kids so anyone out there who is being across Givy Pay, it's like an electronic petty cash and 
um, that you can use in businesses. But Spriggy is a money, it's a pocket money app. And it's very similar in the way that you can also get a card for your kids as well. And they can put it on their phone depending on the age. I think they have to be over the age of 14 and you can actually give them um, a card that sits on their phone. So I've got, um, so my two kids, my son and my daughter both have a Spriggy account and in that account, they get pocket money every week and that money is given to them based on the allocation of um, jobs. So they get jobs and tasks and when they complete them, I, they can allocate the money um, and then they can save money for different things in, in the app and they can spend it and it's automatically split between as well um, a savings component and a spending component. So even on their card, they can't, ever have access to the whole amounts. There's not a risk that they're going to lose their money, but it's all about, again, teaching people who are younger financial literacy and understanding what it means to earn money and spend money. We're we're going into um, a, a really tough time in our economy and we've been through, you know, a couple of decades where money's been good. Even when it's been tough, it's not really been that tough. So we just spend, we earn and we spend in this country, earn and spend, earn and spend, earn and, you know, buy land that's way too expensive and move on from there. And our kids are not taught the value of money and being able to teach that to them in this wonderfully (laughs) digital way has been really exciting for me. So if you're a parent out there, get on Spriggy. I absolutely love it. And I am not invested in any way whatsoever and will not receive anything for that. It's just a pure, honest to goodness, mum recommendation. Amazing. Love a good mum tip. It makes me think, like I've seen a lot of, well, actually I've seen a little bit, not a lot, a little bit of activity around this in our space where we've actually got advisors creating programs to help with financial literacy for their clients. And, you know, my natural reaction to that is amazing, one-to-many, what a great business model, that's fantastic. But what I hear a lot of right next to that is, oh, no, 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 I'm really threatened by that. You're going to tell my clients or you're going to tell our clients all this stuff that they would usually pay us money for. We can't possibly do that. And I just want to take this opportunity to shout out an absolute megastar, Rebecca White, BDO, um, Director of Financial Education. Best idea ever. Go for it. Go hard. You're one of my favourite women on the, in, in like literally on the planet. Don't let the haters get you down. I think we should be mega empowered by um, by initiatives like this. And I actually think, isn't that isn't that a way for isn't that a way for clients to actually understand the value of what we bring to them as a trusted advisor more? Not worrying about us making ourselves redundant. Like, what do you think? Yeah, look, if we if people are raised to understand the value of money and the value of advice better earlier on and don't expect everything to just be handed to them, explaining the value of what we provide later should hopefully be easier. But this like opens up a whole other can of worms, which I am not going to get into in this session around the cost and availability of financial advice, but I think we should unpack that next time. Perfect. I've made a note of that. (laughs) And what a wonderful way to wrap up. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Beck, thank you so much um, for sharing some of your time with me today. I know you haven't been well. I'm so glad you're feeling better and you look fabulous. Um, Thank you again, listeners. Beck and I would love to hear from you, not just on, well, actually, I'd really love to hear how year-end reviews went. So please let us know, how did you go? 
taking all of that heat from the accountants about all the pay rises that they wanted or maybe it didn't go that way. But we would absolutely love to hear from you. We'd love your ideas. We'd love your feedback on everything, anything. We love all of it. I can be reached on Twitter, Shay underscore Thayer. So that's S-H-A-Y-E underscore Thayer, T-H-Y-E-R. And on LinkedIn, Shay Thayer. And I can be reached on Twitter and LinkedIn, both at Rebecca Mahalik, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-M-I-H-A-L-I-C. And I won't be spelling that again. <laughs> Have an amazing day, everyone. We will talk to you soon. From the trenches.